0: <laughs> Following a transfer, right. he on the top the Lowest state theatre building, You
1: oh. <laughs> wait. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tales of intrigue, adventure and the mysterious occult that will stir your imagination and make your very blood run cold this is dark adventure radio theater featuring your host lester mayhew today's episode the horror in the museum A tale by Hazel Held and H.P. Lovecraft.
3: No den of amusements casts a strange allure quite like that of the wax museum. Portraits of the great and famous, the hideous and infamous, uncannily rendered translucent and lifelike. Since ancient times, men have created idols and worshipped them. But ever since the days of Moses, it's been considered a mortal sin. Idolatry. A violation of the Bible's second commandment. If those who make an image of God incur his wrath, then what shall become of the man who dares to turn a god into an image? But first, a word from our sponsor. We have all met her. She can be found everywhere in America, in the big cities, the little villages, or out on the farm. She is the woman who has the gift for human relationships. Money is not her mark of distinction, nor a brilliant position before the world, yet she is rich. In the affection of her husband and children, her neighbors and friends, and she is beautiful with the beauty of genuineness. That is why she is always on the alert for the new thing, the best thing, that will contribute to the comfort and pleasure of all. And she knows that no material element in the home is as essential to good temper, cheerfulness, and good health as an attractive table. Dining with her is a lesson in the fitness of things. The flowers, the conversation, the food, all are parts of a harmonious whole, as she is the mistress of the art of life. Each meal, however simple, is one of her masterpieces because it is different. These are the critical women for whom Bon Voyage salad dressing was developed. We are indebted to them for many ideas and suggestions that we can never repay and which have helped place Bon Voyage
2: in over a million homes. Bon Voyage. Set sail for your glamorous adventure in salad. And now,
3: Dark Adventure Radio Theater presents The Horror in the Museum. A pair of American visitors made their way to a famous London tourist attraction with an eye to business opportunities.
4: What do you think? I mean, obviously, it's not the Art Institute.
1: No, but I must say I do like the line outside. Madame Tussaud was on to something.
4: Watch. Just watch them.
1: Oh, ear love, snap a kodak of me with a majesty. It
0: Looks a bit grumpy, don't she?
5: Just as I remember her from when I was a girl. Look us now.
0: Hold still, Hazel.
5: Oh, it's Jack Dempsey. Come on, Humphrey, I want a picture with him. All right, keep your wig on. See,
4: they snap a photograph of themselves and run off to the next one, imagining themselves hobnobbing with the powerful and famous.
1: Did you see the line to get into the Chamber of Horrors? Yes, of
4: course. But that's just because it appeals to the purient interests. Putting murder weapons on display is not art.
1: No, but no one ever went broke catering to the baser instincts of the public,
4: either. True. But what I'm after is authentic artistry. It has to engage. I mean, it's hard to get excited by this Queen Victoria. There's no drama
1: in that face. No life! She looks like a potato. Still, the crowds do come to admire, don't they? They can't be celebrities, they aspire to be near them.
4: But imagine a museum where the figures seem to come alive, where you'd think they might reach out and touch you at any moment. Holy cow, come here! Take a look at this one. Now, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I want for my museum.
1: Yes, certainly a higher caliber of work. Who's it supposed to be?
4: Dr. John D.
1: Huh. Maybe he's only famous in England.
4: He was an astrologer and a kind of wizard in the days of Elizabeth I. Look at those eyes. Now they have the spark of life. It's like he's looking at us, not the other way around. And that knowing smile. This is the man who understands secrets.
1: That gaze does make one feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? Who made
4: it? I don't know. None of them credit the artists.
1: Uh, Hold on. Let's ask this guard. Pardon me, young man. Uh, Yes, ma'am? Who actually sculpts all these waxworks, anyway?
5: Ah, well, the oldest ones were made by Madame Tussaud herself. Almost a hundred years ago now. And the museum staff has the finest sculptors in the world.
1: What about this one? Dee. Do you know who sculpted it?
5: Oh, uh, that's one of Roger's. He's no longer on our staff. Really? Why is that? He seems to be quite talented. I'm not really supposed to talk about...
4: We'll make it
5: worth your while. Ah, well, uh... Allow
4: me to introduce myself. Stephen Jones, Exhibition Impresario, Chicago, Illinois. Impresario? A promoter of entertainments and diversions. Mr... Jennings,
5: sir.
1: Eleanor Patterson. I'm Mr. Jones, Principal Investor and Financier.
5: Ah, right. Congratulations. Uh, When's the happy day?
1: (laughs) Uh, No, no, not fiancé. Financier. I handle the finances for your troubles, sir.
5: Five pounds? Bless you, Mom. Tell us about this Rogers. Well, he, he's a queer kind of genius, no doubt. Made some of our best figures, but they dismissed him all the same. There were, uh, rumors. Rumors? What do you mean? Some said he was barking mad. I heard some tell that he had some ideas about religion that was, uh, well, uh, Oh, I don't know. He, he, he didn't get on, that's all. <laughs> he started up his own place, full of his own kind of pieces, they say. A bit uh, different to what we have here. How so? Some of the works might not be suitable for the general public. And where might that be? His place. Suffolk, it's, uh, But it is not a respectable neighbourhood for visitors, you understand.
1: Oh, that's quite all right. We're not respectable, we're Americans.
5: Well, mind yourself if you go across that river, Mum. This place, it's down in a basement. It's not a proper museum at all, if you ask me.
3: By following the guards' reluctant directions, the two found their way to a rather grim edifice, not far from Blackfriars Bridge. Soon they had their tickets and set about exploring the displays.
1: I hope this isn't what you have in mind. It's dreary. Ugh, and that smell... Hardly any customers about either. We could fix that.
4: But look at his work. Classically inspired. Gorgons. Chimeras. The Cyclops. Even his monstrosities look more lifelike than the human figures at Chousseau's.
1: I can't deny there's something arresting about his work. Sounds like there's something juicy in that curtained-off section over there
6: she will be having nightmares for weeks. week.
7: I am sorry for your daughter's distress, sir. But as the sign very clearly says, admittance to this section is restricted to adults only.
6: But that's just a bit of an old card, innit? I was ought to know you meant it.
7: We mean everything we say, sir. Do mind your steps on your way out.
6: I'll be telling
4: my friends, believe you me. Please do. Hello, uh, Mr...
7: I am Orobona, the manager of Rogers Wax Museum. Please ignore that outburst, sir and madam. H- have you seen our hall of history? Come, look upon Cleopatra and the Asp. You'll swear they draw
1: breath. I'd rather like to take a look behind the curtain. Oh, madam...
7: I must warn you, as you have seen, it is not for the faint of heart.
1: Neither am I.
7: We'd very much
4: like to see it. Lead on, sir. You have traveled far to be here, I think. Yes. You too, unless I'm much mistaken. Ah, yes. Mr. Rogers'
7: work is most compelling. As you have seen, teratological marvels are his specialty. In this section, he abandons Greek monsters in favor of, well... The sorts of myths that are only whispered of.
1: Oh, Lord in heaven, what is that?
7: Formless Stathaguar of Hyperborean legend. This, the tentacled face of great Tutulus spawn. And here, the dread Proposidian Sognar Vagun. Ah, it's...
4: it's horrific. Wonderfully so. What mythologies conceive of such hideous creatures?
7: They are written of in forbidden books, like the Book of Ivan, or the Black Tome of Von Junst. Books that have been shunned and suppressed through the centuries.
4: Understandably. These figures, they're genuinely disturbing.
7: And we have only begun. Steal yourself as we round the corner. Oh, oh good God! What are these? The hybrid creations of his own unique vision.
1: No wonder that child was crying. Is Rogers, is he some kind of opium fiend?
4: His imagination knows no bounds. I'll say, the workmanship, astonishing. The way you've done the lighting, very clever. Your presentation here is revolutionary. You are most kind. I have to meet him. This Rogers, is he in? I'd like to discuss a business proposition with him. Business? I'm making plans to open a museum of my own back in the States and I'd very much like to come to an arrangement with him. I see. I'm
7: afraid Mr. Rogers is not available at this time, but I will be glad to give him your card,
4: Mr... Uh, Jones! Stephen Jones. My colleague, Mrs. Patterson, and I have rooms at the Savoy. We'll look forward to hearing from him.
3: As they waited for a response from Rogers, Mrs. Patterson used her influence to reach out to a reporter at The Times.
8: So you write for the Chicago Tribune?
1: I'm one of the owners, actually, and the Daily News in New York. Ink practically runs through my veins. I wired our international editor for the name of the best reporter in London, and he wired back Richard Carey. Thank you for seeing us.
8: Certainly, ma'am. The pleasure's all mine.
1: Aren't you a dear. May I introduce my business partner, Stephen Jones?
4: How do you do? Uh, And what business are you engaged in? Attractions is the name of my game. I'm here scouting the world's finest acts and amusements to bring them back to the good people of Chicago.
1: And I'm the money. My business interests are diverse.
8: I see. Well, that would explain your interest in George Rogers. He's a curious bloke, to be sure. He keeps well out of the public eye, considering who he is. Why? Who is he? Are you familiar with Rogers and Carew? Can't say I am. They're the builders who have constructed much of the tube here in London. Quite a large firm. Well, your Rogers inherited quite a sum when his father passed away.
1: Hmm, Curious. How does a man with that kind of capital end up running a low-rent wax museum?
8: <laughs> Afraid I can't quite tell you. Young George Rogers went to Paris to study art. Not much remarkable about him while he was there. One brush with the gendarmerie following an investigation of a dubious crackpot called Falconelli. What was that about? It seems this Falconelli claimed he was an alchemist. The inquiry came about after the death of one of his followers. Rogers was among those questioned. Hmm. He seems to have made several lengthy trips overseas, but really he keeps quite a low profile. I've heard he squandered a fair bit of his fortune and isn't on good terms with the family. Black sheep, you know. I believe that they actually have an arrangement with Lord Rothermere to keep his name out of the papers.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't be the first such arrangement. It's like Jimmy Capone.
4: Who? I've never heard of him.
1: That's the point. He's a prohibition agent. The shame of his brother Al.
4: Perhaps that's how Rogers ended up at Tussauds. (laughs) Perhaps.
8: I talked to a source who told me that although he was a profoundly gifted sculptor, he put rather a fright up the other employees. He would talk to himself subtly at first, but at times it would rise to the peak of a raging argument. Really? And that wasn't all. Sometimes Rogers would work late into the night. One of the other sculptors, a fellow named Prentice, arrived early to the workshop and found Rogers had drawn a mad series of circles and triangles in chalk on the floor around one of the pieces and seemed to be engaging in some kind of crazed worship of the thing, shouting and leaping about, apparently. They gave him the sack then and there.
1: I can't say he sounds like a desirable employee.
4: Well, (laughs) you know what artists are like. Temperamental. Even passionate. The best of them are always at least a little bit insane. I'd be disappointed if he weren't. And anyway, who's to say this prentice fellow didn't exaggerate? He's an artist, too. Artists. He doesn't frighten me, Eleanor. With his curiosity only increased, Jones
3: sent a telegram to Rogers repeating his desire to discuss business. The next day brought a favorable response and an invitation to return to the strange underground museum after hours. At the designated time, Jones and Patterson
4: knocked on the door. Ah, Mr. Oribona, was it? Mm. May we come in? Of course. You're expected. Wonderful! I'm looking forward to meeting Rogers. He's here, I trust. He is in his workshop. Let me take you there, Mrs. Patterson.
1: Yes, thank you.
7: I have worked closely with Mr. Rogers for years now. And if I may be so forward, I urge you to approach your subject delicately. Excuse me? Mr. Rogers is a sensitive man, a true artist. He does not possess the American sense of business. He may be more receptive to your offer if it grows out of conversation naturally.
4: Ah, oh, I see.
1: So you want him to work with us, Orobona?
7: You are perceptive, madam.
1: I want what is best for
4: his great work. Well, wonderful. <laughs> That's what we all want. I'll tread lightly, Orabona. Smooth as silk. Mr. Rogers.
7: Your visitors are here. Are you ready for them?
6: Yes. Come in. Mr. Jones, do come in. Mrs. Patterson, you're welcome.
3: Ain't you a pretty thing.
1: Charmed, I'm sure.
3: The stunned Americans found themselves in an evil-looking crypt, lighted dimly by dusty horizontal windows in the brick wall, on a level with a hidden courtyard. Waxen arms, legs, heads, and torsos lay in grotesque array on various benches, while on high tiers of shelves, matted wigs, ravenous-looking teeth, and glassy staring eyes were indiscriminately scattered.
1: How ghastly!
3: What's that, madam?
1: Um, your workshop, remarkable.
6: Ah, well, here you are then. Uh, this is just costume pieces I collected.
4: Ah, oh, yes. Like the cast offs of a theatrical troupe.
6: Over here, this is uh, where I keep brushes and paints and all that. And this is a hair section, all, all different kinds. Wigs for the human forms, but samples of uh, fur and other things for. Yeah, uh, you get the gist. I do, yes. Uh, some people find my collection of arms and legs there disturbing.
1: Uh, oh. No. No, I'm not squeamish in the least.
6: Oh, well, that there's the melting furnace, and them's just cakes of wax that have yet to be melted down. I can melt them in that pot there, and then I can pour out the hot wax through that spout. Hey, hey mind yourself, Mum. It's harder than 80s.
1: I can feel it from here.
6: I rig this up balanced so I can do a pour with just one hand.
1: Ingenious. What do you keep in there? Where? The door with the big padlock.
6: Storeroom.
1: Really? The symbol there on the door, like one of those alchemists.
7: My, ain't you curious? As what's known, It is a tribal symbol from Africa. I drew it myself. It means storm. Keep out.
4: Ah. Ah. And this other door must lead up to... Goes up to the courtyard and back, that does. Well, Mr. Rogers, I really must thank you for taking the time to show us your workshop. Your creations, truly, they are the very zenith of the macabre. I am a true admirer of your artistry, your imagination... Some of your pieces, they leave me speechless. I'm surprised you don't have lines stretching down the block. Uh, Very kind of you. Not everyone has an appreciation for works that are
3: more... challenging. Tall, lean, and rather unkempt, Rogers examined his visitors through large black eyes, which gazed combustively from a pallid and stubble-covered face. As they listened patiently, the artist began to reveal more of his secrets. And so I says to him, with a god like that, you're going to need
6: a bigger monastery. (laughs) Well, it's just a joke, sir. No, no. (laughs) I get it. Amusing.
4: Now, this was in India.
6: Tibet. High up in the Himalaya Mountains.
4: Good heavens. What brought you there?
6: I went to a monastery where... they do unusual things with the dead. If you don't mind my saying, Mum. No,
1: no. Do go on.
6: But that weren't all. I had a jaunt out to the lost city of Pillars in the deserts of Arabia. I took a boat up the Amazon through the darkest jungles of Brazil. I drove sled dogs to the foot of a great frozen mountain in Alaska. I've been to the South Seas
4: and seen the great stone ruins of Nan Mador. My God, man, the tales you could tell of such places. We should put you on a lecture tour. (gasps) You should write a book. A book? (laughs) I think not, sir. My sculptures,
6: they're the only book I care to write. Now, the books I read, (laughs) that's another story altogether. What do you mean? Ah, there are certain very rare books which hold certain very rare knowledge. You mean
4: grimoires? Books of ceremonial magic?
6: Oh, that and more. A friend showed me such a book when I lived in Paris. It's in a restricted collection at the Bibliothèque Nationale. One of only three known copies in the world. Perhaps this is a bit... Ah, Uh, there's worse, monstrous, pre-human writings like the Nicotic fragments. The dole chants. They come from non-human lang. And of course, there's terrors revealed in the... No... No, no, no,
7: no, no. no. is right. I said enough. No, go on, man. It grows late, friends. Allow me to summon a taxi to return you to your hotel.
1: Oh, but I really want Steven. to... Stephen, we mustn't wear out our welcome.
7: Yes, Orobone is right. I really
6: must return to my work.
4: Perhaps
1: we could continue our
6: course... We'll speak more another time. Go. Orobone, you are going to uh, summon something for them?
4: Yes, sir.
7: Please. Come with me.
3: Jones was eager for an opportunity to continue the conversation, hopefully without Orobona or Mrs. Patterson. Two days later, he returned alone to the museum just before closing time. Oh,
6: Mr. Jones. I wasn't expecting you.
4: Yes. Orobona seems to be out. Yeah. I'm not catching you at a bad time, am I? Well, not exactly. What can I do for you? Well, you see, I have a cousin in Scotland kind enough to send me a bottle of whiskey, and I thought I'd see if you might enjoy a nip.
6: (laughs) Glenn Well, that's most considerate of you,
3: Mr. Jones.
4: Do come in. The artist and the would-be
3: impresario sat together and the talk began to flow as freely as the scotch. There's
6: things in nature that no man has ever seen before, and it was me. I brought them back.
4: How is it possible you could find these things when no one else could? Because I knew where to
6: look. The books are the secrets. They pointed the way. We we think mankind is some kind of ultimate dominant species, but we're just the current one. There's been others here before us. Oh, cycles alive here before mankind, before the dinosaurs, before any of it. How could that be? Surely we'd Ah, time, my friend. Vast swaths of time that beggar human comprehension. We we think of life bound by the so-called laws of physics and biology, we know. But there's more. (laughs) Much more. Beings, what came before us, they existed through other dimensions, fully other
4: worlds. Other worlds? You don't mean other planets or anything like that, do you? Some kind of... Aliens... Different worlds overlap all the time. Dear yeah, team
6: my family. We live on the same planet, but we will be damned if we live in the same world. I don't know yet what world you live in. You've been through the restricted section. You've seen what's on display there. You, you look at them and think, "Ah, oh, what a crazy thing old Rogers has dreamed up. But I didn't dream them. Not one bit. There's nothing artificial about them. They're just things that exist outside the time and space
4: known to you. Or if you dared to read it. Not artificial, but they're... I mean, you... Oh, I don't know what you mean. Come with me. This way. Here. Look at this. It's horrid, yet magnificent. To to say... To Look, man.
6: Look at the details. You, you think I could conceive such things, eh? Look at the cilia. Look, look in the mouth. Those are teeth. They're all prehensile. And damn remarkable they are. To see such things requires devotion, faith,
4: and sacrifice. Unspeakable sacrifice. <laughs> Come now, Rogers. It's only us to hear... You don't have to put on a show for me. I want you to... Get out. What? Get
6: out. Damn you and your whiskey. I'll not have you profane things you cannot
3: understand. Go! I didn't
4: mean to insult you, I... Go!
3: Mortified and confused, Jones returned to the Savoy Hotel, where he met with Mrs. Patterson in the glamorous American bar.
1: Oh,
4: I made an ass of myself. What must he think of me?
1: Oh, he had a few drinks in him. He probably won't even remember. And if he does, well, he seems terribly temperamental anyway. There are other artists.
4: No, no, there aren't. Not like him. I don't know how to explain it. Any man who can imagine and construct the incredibly lifelike things that he's produced has achieved a kind of greatness. He has the fancy of Sidney Syme or Gustav Dore joined to the minute scientific craftsmanship of the Blaschkes. You know the Blotchkas, don't you?
1: Ah, uh, yes, the Germans who did all those amazing plants and flowers made entirely out of glass.
4: Exactly. At the Harvard Museum of Natural History. They're so biologically accurate, no one has ever been able to reproduce them, or even figure out how they did it. They're a major tourist attraction in Boston. Can you imagine what a sensation we could make with Rogers? We could open a museum of unnatural history!
1: Now, let's not get carried away. I have no interest in competing with Stanley Field. The only thing worse than an artist is an egghead. We need to please the crowds. What about roller coasters? I hear they're taking out the old gravity pleasure road at Coney Island and replacing it with a new one they call the Cyclone. Something like that in
4: Chicago? No, 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 no. With Rogers, we could make a museum like no other. Forget the field. It would be a specialty art museum to rival anything in Boston or New York. Think of it. Why should Gardner and Guggenheim and Nicholas Rorick have all the fun?
1: Well, I suppose.
4: Rogers could be just the beginning. Oh, and I impugned his integrity. I've got to make things right.
1: No, oh, Stephen.
4: Are you sure? Yes. He's the one we need. I've got to act like I understand him, even if I don't. I've got to get him back. Oh, help me, won't you? He liked you. The next
3: afternoon, Jones and Patterson returned to Roger's basement exhibition. They were greeted by the enigmatic Orabona.
7: Mrs. Patterson, Mr. Jones... I understand you were here last night to speak with my employer.
4: Yes, and I'm afraid it didn't go terribly well. I know. He seemed very agitated this morning. Oh, I was afraid of that. I didn't mean to cause any trouble. Mr.
1: Orobona, we truly believe that we could provide an opportunity that could be tremendously beneficial to Mr. Rogers. And you as well. No offense, but I haven't seen a lot of paying customers in here.
7: I will do what I can, but the situation is... Complicated. Strictly between us, Mr. Rogers has stretched his resources to their uttermost in the pursuit of his work. He is under tremendous pressure.
1: We might be able to put more resources at his disposal.
7: You are most kind. I, too, wish to help him. You must understand, to the casual visitor off the street, this place may seem to be a museum. But to Mr. Rogers, it is a temple. To maintain it requires money, yes, but it requires... More than money.
1: More than money?
4: We want to help him in any way we can. I think he's... Good Lord, what is that? It sounds like it came from the workroom.
7: Was that Rogers? He might be hurt or... No, Mr. Jones. Mr. Rogers is out. I have strict orders to admit no one to the workroom in his absence. But that cry, you must have heard it. It came from this way. Stray dogs. They fight in the courtyard above. You heard the cry of the loser. It is often so.
1: Straight dogs. Yes.
7: I will speak to Mr. Rogers when he returns on your behalf. Perhaps together we can solve his pride. You might return at the closing time. He may be available to see you then. For now, I must attend to
4: other business. Uh, Very well. Thank you, Orbona. You can see yourselves out? Of course. Until this evening.
1: Good day, sir. Madam. A stray dog? I think not. I
4: don't know. I think
1: Rogers is in that workroom. God only knows what he's up to.
4: I hope he isn't hurt in some way.
1: Let's have a look at this courtyard. I'll wager there won't be a dog anywhere.
3: Outside the museum, they stepped through a low archway into a dark, cobbled alley. They found the courtyard, dim in the late afternoon light. Hemmed in by rear walls even uglier and more intangibly menacing than the crumbling street facades of the evil old houses.
1: What a horrid odor.
4: These buildings look like they've been standing here since Shakespeare's day.
1: But I'm not seeing any dogs, are you? No. No blood, no fur, no sign of anything.
4: You're right. But why would Oribona lie?
1: They're hiding something. I don't trust this Rogers a bit.
4: Those must be the windows to his workroom. Shall we have a look? Can you see him? Filthy? I think there's something moving. Here, take a look.
1: I feel like one of my investigative journalists. Wait. See that light?
4: In the far wall?
1: Yes. What is that? That
4: door with the weird symbol. It must be open.
1: The alleged storeroom with the suspiciously large padlock? There is something fishy going on here.
4: There's not. He's just... He's an artist.
1: Well, I, for one, am not going to skulk around this miserable courtyard. I'm going back to the Savoy for a stiff drink. Are you coming, Stephen?
4: No, I'm staying. I want to try again with Rogers.
1: Suit yourself. But don't push him too hard.
3: After escorting Mrs. Patterson to a taxi... Jones loitered in Mr. Rogers' dismal neighborhood until just before six o'clock, when he returned to the museum entrance.
7: Ah, Mr. Jones, you've returned. And without
4: your shadow. My shadow? Oh, yes. Did you speak to Rogers? Is he... Come.
6: Mr. Jones, to see you, sir. Jones? (laughs) Yes. Come in, come in. Uh, That'll be all, Aurobona. You can lock up for the night. Very good,
7: sir.
4: Good night. Thank you for admitting me. After our last conversation... Ah, That's forgotten. Nothing in the grand scheme of things, is it? No, certainly not. I am a passionate
6: man. I'll admit that. I can't abide those who discount the profound metaphysical origins that lie behind my work. I meant no disrespect. Of course not. You seem in good spirits today. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Working on something new. Something well, quite extraordinary. Is it there?
4: Uh, under that burlap?
6: Well No. I, what should you ask? But
4: you keep glancing at it. I thought perhaps... Did
6: I tell you of my travels to Indochina? It was among the Cho-Cho's I first saw the Nicotic Fragments you know them? No, I can't say that. A visionary monk called Sukutra-sama left his order and went off and lived in a cave. He built a great fire in the cave with certain herbs and plants that grew in the jungle, and by chanting and breathing a smoke he achieved a heightened state of consciousness. It's said the gods themselves dictated the text of the narcotic fragments to him, and it tells of the land of Lomar and of life before the advent of mankind in the world. The revelations made to him were many and shocking.
4: Fascinating. And you... you saw these fragments of his?
6: Indeed, I did.
4: Where? How did you... Ah,
6: well, it wasn't easy, I can tell you that. And it cost me in more ways than one. Still, the revelations from the ninth book intrigued me. A monk living his whole life within a hundred miles of the Mekong River, writing about the great gods imprisoned in the
4: ice. Curious, don't you think? Perhaps folklore. Tales of the Himalaya handed down over centuries. That's a possibility. But there are others,
6: more exciting ones than that. The monk described the stars and planets in very specific ways. My own series of astronomical calculations revealed the location of the temple of this frozen god. But, of course, that's all just an intellectual exercise, isn't it? Yes, but...
4: No. (laughs) No. You set out to find it, didn't you? Indeed, sir. And where was this place? Alaska. Up
6: the attack from Fort Morton. (laughs) You jest. Do I sound like a man who's jesting? Me and Orabona set sail for Anchorage, and there we hired some hardy miners uh, acquired provisions and chartered a boat to take us round the western coast. In Constable, the natives would have nothing to do with us, so we hired a pair of washed out Klondike prospectors to serve as guides. These Canadians, they were to lead our team up the frozen river using sledges pulled by dogs. Aurobona and I rode as passengers with the prospectors, and the sleds moved swiftly over the snow of the frozen river. But, as we neared our destination, the guys lost their nerve.
9: Osman, this is bullshit. We shouldn't go any further. Right. You gotta tell him, eh? The crazy one. Cameron, why are you stopped? are oh, we nearly there? This is as far as we go. They say the ground beyond is cursed. We've heard things. Seen things.
6: Yeah, hardly oh, surprising the way you two drink.
9: <laughs> what of it? We go no further. If you want to go on to a cursed place, we ain't going with you. What's the problem? Everything okay? We won't go any further. Why the hell not? There's a... What do you call it? A, a curse. A curse. Right. Look, if you knew there was some goddamn curse, why didn't you say something sooner? You dragged us out here. Now finish the job! Look, we've been in this territory a long time. Years now. Yeah, and, and and there's legends. Why do you think that none of the Inupiat or other local natives would help you? I suppose you're gonna tell me. I could tell you a couple
7: reasons, yeah. This place you're going to is... <laughs> fucking doomed. Osman and me, we turn back here. If they had the slightest idea what this place really is, they'd have run off into the snow a hundred miles ago. Damn you! I hired you to guide us, and you're
9: bloody well gonna guide us! I seen you looking at your creepy little notes. You'll find your way, but we go no further. Oh. Oh, it's mutiny then, huh?
6: Well, very well. You'll stay here and freeze to death. Get off that sled! Get off, I say! Take off, you limey bastard! These sleds... And everything on him is mine! Now get off! Oh yeah? You think you can make me eh? huh? Come on! (laughs) That's enough! All right, Rogers. It's your party. You know how to get where we're going? Yes, Mr. Brophy, I do. It's not much further.
9: Right. And you two worthless cowards can beat it! Come on, Osman. Hey, hey, not with my tackle, they don't. Right. Kelso, Sterling, unload the supplies
7: from that sled into this one. And who's gonna drive it, eh? I will drive it. Though the dogs bite my hands and the frost bites my feet.
6: He can ride in the empty sled with you. Put four of your dogs on this sled. Do it! i will have to manage with four. City consider yourselves lucky. Thank you, Profi.
9: Come on. Come on, Jaco. You don't have to go with them. You come back with us, come on. You know, we won't come back for you. No one will come for you here. We don't need you anymore, Cameron. Be off. Good luck.
6: You'll need it.
9: Yeah, let's go.
6: It's not far now, man. Let's move on. Come on, men. He'll be just over this ridge. Uh, Buck up, Borobona. This is what we've been waiting for. Yes.
9: It is on the cord. Just over the ridge, the boss says. Fat bloody chance. Right. So if we find what they're looking for, it's five dollars to me. Yeah. And five for me if it's nothing but snow and ice and... Ah, that's Orabona. Come on, men. What the hell? It's like you owe me a fiver, pal. Just
3: as I knew
6: we would, we discovered the great cyclopean ruins—acres of them. There was less left than we had hoped for, but after three million years, what could one expect?
9: Ah, those—I mean, they look like foundations for buildings. Yes.
6: Yes, they are. They were. But how? Oh, in those huge steps. They just go down into the ice. What do they go down to, boss? (laughs) That's what we come to see. The ice. It completely blocks the opening. (gasps) That's where Mr. Profi and his men come in. You miners should be able to make short work of some ice, shouldn't you? Wally? Two sticks of dynamite ought to do it, don't you think? (laughs) Oh, yes, sir. (laughs) When we got the ice blasted out of the pylons of the central ruin, the stairway was just as we knew it would be, with some carving still in place. Aha! We could fit in there. Or about... Give me your torch. Let's go in and have a look. Here. Rofy, you and your men stay up here while we see what's what. Too many men might spoil things. Suits so me. Ain't none of us want to go down there anyhow. Oh, <laughs> No, of course not. Now, have uh, Kelso stay nearby in case of difficulty. Rest of you go back to camp and tend to the dogs? Come on, Oropona. You see, it was all true. Every last word I'd read in those Nicolic fragments. The monk had seen it in his visions. The passage—it was littered with bones, bones from those who had been there before us, and and creatures we couldn't imagine—huge things—and beyond, the throne room. Pindada, Aklata, Rantegos. It was foretold that in the heart of the temple was a great throne room, and there it was before us. A throne carved of mammoth ivory, and and even more astonishing, it was still seated upon the throne.
7: It has waited throughout all time, not in death, but in eternal dream. It's unbelievable. But exactly as it was said to be. I shall slake its thirst. Give me your knife. No. Without nourishment, it cannot move. It will be much easier for us to move it if it cannot move itself. Yes. Yes, we'll wait.
6: Once we're back in London. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We brought supplies from the camp and built a box for the thing. Once it had been carefully crated, Orabona and I attempted to remove it from the temple, but were unable to get it up the ice choked steps on our own. It was heavy, and they were huge, not built for mere men. A promise of bonus pay brought the miners down below to help us get it out. (laughs) They were suitably stunned by the litter of bones and the throne room itself.
9: Throw me
6: the rope! Rogers,
9: what the hell is this place?
6: A lost civilization from a forgotten time. Here? In Alaska? The Earth has had many lives. What is now frozen was once warm. What's now desert was once lush. Yeah. Oh, what about these bones? I mean, what the hell kind of thing had a jaw like this? Many types of beings have lived upon the Earth. Most in long-forgotten epics, eons, before mankind. Yeah, but men built this
9: throne room, right? Right?
7: Come, together we lift the box. Yeah, let's get out of here! (coughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, uh.
6: We made our way back with our treasure safely
4: intact. But what was the treasure? What did you bring back? Is that what's under the burlap there?
6: You want to see, don't you? That's the only way your sort can believe. All right, Finn. What do you make of these photographs, eh? Aura with the sled dogs. Uh, there, those are the steps just after we blasted the opening. Well,
4: um, these certainly do look real enough. You still doubt me? No, I, it's just in my business I've seen some very convincing theatrical sets in my day. And one does meet some charlatans who can... Here. Think...
6: Here's a Kodak of the throne room. Ever seen anything like it? Look at this one. Look at the scale of the walls. Look at, look at the vaulting. Ever seen anything like that? Look at the carving. Eh? Look familiar?
4: My God, it's the same symbol as your door there. But Oribona said yes, it
6: was... Yes, Oribona's been a faithful servant to me. But he fears the truth.
4: What happened when you brought the crate back to London? <laughs>
6: I'll admit I was nervous. Frightfully nervous. Or a boner, he was nearly terrified. Why was that? I've brought many things back from my travels, but this was the first time I'd ever brought anything back alive. Oh. I intended to nourish it with sacrifice, for it is a god. Alive. And a god. Well, now that makes you uneasy, don't it? I've been trying different rites and sacrifices. Or a bonus, but no help whatever.
4: No? Why's that? He was always
6: against the idea of waking it. He hates it. He's afraid of what it will come to mean. (laughs) He took to carrying a pistol, (laughs) as if that was protection against it. I see. No, you don't. He wanted me to kill it and make an effigy of it, but that's not what's going to happen. I'm coming out on top in spite of cowards like Orabona and sniggering skeptics like you.
4: I don't mean to be- Yes, you do. You
6: still don't understand, but I've chanted the rites and made my sacrifices. And last week, the transition came. The sacrifice was received and enjoyed. All
4: right, Rogers,
6: I- You want to see what's under the burlap, don't you? Orabona told me you heard a dog screaming around here this afternoon.
4: Yes, well, I heard something. Do you know what it meant? I- Have a look at this my God! What? What is that?
3: Jones's mind could barely make sense of what lay before him on the table. It seemed to have been a once-living thing, somehow flattened and wrung into a limp, broken-boned heap of... grotesqueness. After a moment, Jones realized what it must be. It was what was left of a dog perhaps of considerable size and whitish color. Most of the hair was burned off as if by some pungent acid, and the exposed bloodless skin was riddled with innumerable circular wounds or incisions. The form of torture necessary to cause such results was past imagining. You damned sadist! You do a thing like this and dare
6: to speak to a decent man?! I didn't do this, you fool. Now, I suppose it looks awful from your limited human standpoint, but I'm beyond that now. It's a sacrifice. I gave the dog to it. This is the result of its work, not mine. It needed nourishment and took it in its own way. Do you want to see it? What do you mean? (laughs) Relax, man. It's just the last photograph. Look at it. Look closely.
4: You've outdone yourself. It's a nightmare. Truly, this is infernal genius. The sensation this would cause, the public would run screaming. The thing in the picture appeared
3: to be squatting on the monstrously carved throne seen in the other curious photograph. And even so, it towered to almost twice the height of Orabona, who was visible beside it. It had an almost globular torso, with six long, sinuous limbs, terminating in crab-like claws. From the upper end, a subsidiary globe bulged forward, bubble-like, its triangle of three staring, fishy eyes, its foot-long proboscis, and an extended lateral system like gills, suggesting that it was a head. Most of the body was covered with what at first appeared to be fur, but which on closer examination proved to be a dense growth of dark, slender tentacles or sucking filaments, each tipped with a mouth, suggesting the head of an asp. On the head and below the proboscis, the tentacles tended to be longer and thicker and marked with spiral stripes. In what passed for its face, in that triangle of bulging fish eyes, Jones felt a blend of hate, greed, and sheer cruelty, incomprehensible to mankind. Now you know what crushed the dog and sucked it
6: dry with a million mouths. It needed nourishment. It will need more. It is a god, Jones, and I am the first priest of its latter-day hierarchy. Ia Hand
4: See here, Rogers. There are limits, you know. It's a great piece of work, truly extraordinary. But I fear it's getting the better of you. No more. Let Oribona break it up and try to forget about it. And let me tear this beastly picture up, too. You will
6: not. Idiot. You still think it's all a fraud. You still think I made it, eh? Sat down with some tools and brushes and rendered that? You think my greatest figures are nothing but lifeless wax? Rogers. You'll know. I've got proof, you clod. Proof? Show me. Hmm. No. Not just now, for it is resting after the sacrifice. Later. Oh, 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 yes.
4: Then you'll understand its power. Very well, Rogers. Another time, then. I must be going now, but I'll call around tomorrow afternoon. Think my advice over and see if it doesn't sound sensible. Ask Orbona what he thinks, too. Must be going now, eh? Afraid after all. Afraid for all
6: your bold talk. You say they're only wax, and yet You run away when I begin to prove they aren't. You're just another of these brave fellows who take my standing bet that they dare spend the night in the museum. They come boldly enough, but after an hour they shriek and hammer to get out. Want me to ask Aurabona? eh? Hey? You two and your little chippy all scheming together behind my back, imagining you can sell tickets and make a profit. You won't stand in the way of its earthly reign!
4: Rogers, there's nobody against you. All I've ever wanted to do is help you. I'm not afraid of your figures, and I admire your skill, but- Not I- afraid, eh? And why are you so anxious to go?
6: Do you dare stay alone here in the dark? What's your hurry if
4: you don't believe in it? What would be gained by me staying here alone? What would it prove? My only objection is that it isn't very comfortable for sleeping. What good would it do either of us? You'd come to understand. Truly understand. See here, Rogers. Suppose I do stay. If I stick it out until morning, will you agree to take some time away, let's say three months, and let Oribona destroy this new creation of yours? What do you say? Fair enough.
6: If you do stick it out, I'll take your advice. But stick, you must. I'll lock you in the display room and go home. In the morning, I'll come down ahead of Oropona. He comes in half an hour before the rest and see how you are. Very well. You're sure about this? Others have backed out, as you may yet do. I suppose you could pound on the outer door and bring a constable. I'm certain that won't be necessary. Are you, then? You may not like it so well after a while. You'll be in the same building, though not in the same room, with it. That's fine. (laughs) Then come with me.
4: Well, here you are. What? Here? You don't want me to carry out my vigil in the restricted section? That won't be necessary. No last-moment change of art.
6: All right, then. I'll just uh, switch off the lights. Right. I'll be back in the morning. Good luck, Jones.
4: Good night, Rogers. This old man, he played one, He played knick-knack on my drum With a knick-knack, paddywhack, Give a dog a bone This old man came rolling home This old man, he played two, He played knick-knack on my shoe With a knick-knack, paddywhack, Give a dog a bone This old man came rolling home This old man, he played three, Creepy Rogers can't scare me knick-knack. What is that anyway?
3: Oh god, what am I doing? For hours, Jones was oppressed by the darkness. He tried to engage his mind and break up the unrelenting silence. He contemplated the darkness itself and the floating specks of light that his eyes insisted on seeing in the pitch. He felt strangely cold in the air that tasted of brine mixed with subterranean waters with the barest hint of ineffable mustiness. All the while, his mind went back to Roger's photo from Alaska. Perhaps the man had really been there, but the carved chamber and throne, that must have been some kind of stage scenery. And his sculpture, that flight of diseased fancy, it must be what he kept in that padlocked room. <laughs> he tried to sleep and succeeded at least in dozing. But every time he nodded off, his ears played tricks on him. <laughs> He thought he heard movement, the creak of a guillotine. Now wide awake, he could hear them. Stealthy, plodding footsteps in the workroom beyond the closed and locked door. A key turned in the workroom door. He knew it couldn't be true, but the workroom door opened and there were soft,
4: shuffling footsteps. Who goes there? Who are you? What do you want? Halt! Who goes there? Shuffling toward
3: him in the darkness was a gigantic, blasphemous form of a black thing. Not wholly ape, and not holy insect its hide hung loosely upon its frame, and its rugose, dead-eyed rudiment of a head swayed drunkenly from side to side. Its forepaws were extended, with talons spread wide, and its whole body was taut with murderous malignity, despite its utter lack of facial expression.
6: Ah I am coming, O Crantico Coming with the nourishment. Crush and train him Break his doubts and grow strong. Run, infinite and invincible, I am your slave and I priest. You are hungry and I provide. I read the signs and have led you forth. I shall feed you with blood and you shall feed me with power. Ia, Shobnigurath, the goat with a thousand young.
3: Jones recovered consciousness, and in an instant all the terrors of the night dropped from him like a discarded cloak, and he knew the very earthly and material peril he had to deal with. This was no monster of fable, but a dangerous madman. It was Rogers, dressed in some nightmare covering of his own insane designing, and about to make a frightful sacrifice to the Devil God he had fashioned out of wax. He must have entered the workroom from the rear courtyard, donned his disguise, and then advanced to seize the neatly trapped and fear-broken victim. With the strength of mortal fear, Jones lunged at Rogers' throat.
4: That's quite enough, Rogers!
9: <laughs> it sound i <all> be denied! <laughs> you're, you're mad, Rogers! <laughs>
3: Rogers came at Jones savagely. In the tussle, Jones managed to pull the head off the bizarre costume Rogers was wearing.
9: Take that! Oh! Run to God, shall not be.
3: Rogers fell against the melting furnace, his face. Burned by the hot steel, molten wax splattered out and spattered his head, matting the hair to his scalp and steaming into his left eye. Jones quickly pressed his advantage, pulling the howling artist away from the furnace and restraining him with belts and cords that were around the place. Despite the disquieting nature of his bizarre costume, Jones searched through it until he found the key ring Rogers carried. With the keys secured, Jones staggered around the walls until he found the switchbox that turned on the lights. His own clothes had been torn to bits in the fight, and he grabbed wildly at odds and ends from the artist's costume pieces to make himself presentable so he could seek aid. He hurried to the door. Spawn of
6: Northgedic, and of fluvium of Kithun, son of the dogs that howl in the maelstrom of Azetoth. You would have been sacred and immortal. Now you are betraying it and its priest. Beware, for it is hungry. It would have been or a boner of that, that damn treacherous dog ready to turn against me and it. But I give you the first honor instead. Now you must both beware, for it is not gentle without its priest.
9: Now see here.
6: Here, here, vengeance is at hand. Do you know do you would have been immortal? Look at the furnace. Why do you think I had the fire ready and burning? I would have done with you as I've done with other once-living forms. Eh? You who believed all my effigies were waxen would have become a waxen effigy yourself. The furnace was all ready when it had its fill and you were like that dog I showed you. I would have made your flattened, punctured fragments immortal. Wax would have done it. Haven't you said I'm a great artist? Wax in every pore. Wax over every inch of you. E-ha. Oh, e-ha. And ever after, the world would have looked at your mangled carcass and wondered how I ever imagined and made such a thing. Eh? And Ora Bono would have come next. And, and I was after him. And thus would my wax and
9: family have grown. Look man, these things you've made, they're not real! DOG!
6: I made aphigies once, but now I've gone beyond that! My medium is now reality itself! Uh, I told you the strange places I've been to, the, the strange things I brought back. Oh, coward! You could never face a dimensional shambler. That suicide I put on to scare you. Oh, the mere sight of it alive would kill you instantly with fright. Yeah! Yeah! It waits! Hungry for the blood that is its life.
4: <sighs> you need help, Rogers.
6: Uh, see here, Jones. I, if I let you go, will you let me go? It must be taken care of by its high priest. Orabona or will be enough to keep it alive, and when he is finished, I will make his fragments immortal in wax for the world to see. It, it could have been you, but you have rejected the honor. I, 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 I won't bother you again. Just Let me go and i could share with you the power that it will bring me eeyah, eeyah. great is run take off Just let me go let me go it is starving down there beyond that door and if it dies the old ones can never come back hey eh? eh? hey let me go
4: good god man you'll dash your brains out against that door let
6: me go what's it ah what's it ah you can't help but lay. Run, take off. Run.
4: What? What are you Listen.
6: Listen hard. It has heard me. And is coming. It's coming out of its tank. Oh, my i get deep. It's amphibious, you know. You saw the gills in the picture, right? It can't stand up in there. Too tall. It has to sit or crouch. Give me the keys. We must let it out and kneel down before it. Then we will go out and uh, find a dog, a cat, or, or someone else to nourish it.
4: Rogers. It's just a sculpture. It's a wax. What's that? I told you but surely
1: it can't be
6: at last fool you believe at last you know you hear it and it comes give me my keys fool we must do homage and serve it
9: good god that stench no 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 no
1: Yes? Who is it? It's Mrs. Broadhurst, Mum. The hotel manager. Oh, thank God. Have you found him? Oh, no. Is he, he's all right, Mum. Well, this is Detective Inspector Brunk. He has some information for you.
0: Mrs. Patterson? I understand Mr. Stephen Jones was your employer?
1: He was my business partner. What's happened?
0: Yes, of course. Uh, we seem to have found him, Mum. At any rate, the man we found has been asking for you. Can you come with me, please, to identify him?
1: Oh, my God. Where did you find him? Where is he?
0: He's at Bedlam Hospital, Mum.
1: Oh, no. Is he
0: hurt? Is he... Uh, he's expected to recover, uh, but at the moment he's not making much sense. An American visitor here in London. It's, um, Complicated. Uh, we would appreciate your assistance.
1: Yes, uh, let me just get my coat.
0: He's just in this room here. Brace yourself, Mum. He's taken rather a beating.
1: I'll be fine, Inspector. I'm not disturbed by such things. Very well. Oh. oh, my God.
7: That's
0: him, then, is it? Mr. Stephen Jones?
1: Yes. Stephen, can you hear me? Eleanor.
4: The statue was alive. I ran to Goth. He came. You were
1: right. Where did you find him?
0: He was wandering in Regent's Park, dressed in a very strange ghetto, and speaking well much as he is now. The alienists have interviewed him and don't know what to make of it. Does he have a history of... um... Would
4: have killed me! Sacrifice! Uh, I burned his cheek. His eye is black... What the, Goat. What's that, Stephen? His cheek burned.
1: Uh, I burned. Ron Togoth. Rogers. I knew he was dangerous. Rogers, Mum. Yes, George Rogers. He runs a basement <laughs> wax museum. Mr. Jones was hoping to go, go into business with him.
0: Ah, Rogers. <laughs> you know him. If the name rings a bell. His family is um. Uh, it, well, we'll look into it. Never you fear. Yeah.
1: But he'd... you've
0: been very helpful. I'm sure the doctors will have paperwork for you to attend to. I'll get someone for you. Uh, did you want to sit with him for a moment? No, you mustn't. Don't worry. He can't get past wait, wait. those restraints.
9: Eleanor,
4: not a sculptor at all. On
0: second thought, ma'am, you don't want to have to hear all that. Uh, come with me now.
4: All lies, all real. <laughs>
3: Jones remained in bedlam for several days, and although his physical injuries began to heal, his mind showed no sign of recovering. The police gave Mrs. Patterson little additional information, and she turned again to Richard Carey at the Times for help.
1: They won't tell me anything. Is it just because I'm not family, or just because I'm an American, or
8: is they there something... They think your man is making it all up. What? I have a source at Scotland Yard who says they paid a visit to Rogers' museum and nothing seemed amiss.
1: And you believed him?
8: He said they've just put some new statue on display. More horrible than the rest, apparently, but otherwise it's business as usual over there.
1: Did they talk to Rogers?
8: I don't think it would matter if they had. Since your man's story was both incoherent and uncorroborated, they're inclined to think, given the state they found him in,
1: that... So there's nothing to be done?
8: I did a little searching on my own, but I'm afraid it doesn't amount to much more. Some witnesses in the area of the museum reported something like pistol shots.
1: Pistol shots?
8: But that was the day after your man went missing, so I don't see how it can be related.
1: Stephen was injured. What about that?
8: A tourist, wandering alone late at night where he didn't belong. It barely makes the blotter.
3: Nearly a week later, Mrs. Patterson had made arrangements to take Jones back to America. But before they headed to the ship at Southampton, she returned alone to pay one last visit to Rogers Wax Museum. As she approached, she noticed a policeman posted outside the door.
9: Sorry, ma'am. Museum's closed.
1: Really? Why is that?
9: Mm, complaints from
7: the public. Gross indecency.
1: I'm not here to see the exhibits. I'm here to meet with the owner.
7: <laughs> Good luck. We haven't Mrs. Patterson. It's all right, officer. I'll take it from here. Please, madam, step inside. It is some time since we have seen you here.
1: Indeed. Might I have a word with Mr. Rogers?
7: Ah, I am so terribly sorry, but he is away. Another of his collecting trips on the continent, very sudden. He hasn't left me in charge until his return.
1: Ah. Well, Mr. Jones visited two weeks ago. It seems Mr. Rogers invited him to experience the collection after hours, and then... Oh,
7: yes, madam. The 28th of last month. I remember it for many reasons. I trust Mr. Jones as well. Why wouldn't he be? That morning before Mr. Rogers got here, you understand, I found the workroom in quite a mess. There was a great deal of cleaning up to do. There had been late work, you see. An important new piece, given its secondary baking process. I took complete charge when I came in.
1: A new piece?
7: A very difficult specimen to prepare. But Mr. Rogers had taught me a great deal. When he came, he helped me complete the specimen. Helped as only he could. But then left soon after without a word. As I tell you, he was called away suddenly. That night, the chemicals were mixed, and the reaction made some loud noises. In fact, some teamsters in the court outside fancied they heard several pistol shots. Very amusing idea.
1: I'm afraid I don't get the joke.
7: Ah. As for the new specimen, that matter is very unfortunate. I wish Mr. Rogers were here to deal with the authorities.
1: Yes. That officer out front said something about indecency...
7: The new work went on display a week ago, and there have been two or three faintings. One poor fellow had an epileptic fit in front of it. It is a trifle stronger than the rest. Larger, for one thing. Offended guests complained to the authorities. The constabulary, too, found it overwhelming and closed us down. I fear I may never be able to give it the exhibition it truly deserves.
1: Is it from behind the door? From your storeroom?
7: You understand me well, Mrs. Patterson. You are no ordinary customer. In light of our effort to seek collaboration, I would be pleased to offer you a private view. Would you like to see it? Very well. This way.
1: Is it... behind the curtain?
7: Indeed. The title of this piece is... The Sacrifice to Ran Tegoth. Ran Tegoth.
1: Mr. Jones said
7: that. Yes. What did he say?
1: No, nothing. I misheard.
7: I think not. It is a name not readily forgotten. Rantegoth is said to have come from outer space and to have lived in the Arctic three million years ago, when it was not so cold as it is now. It treated its sacrifices rather peculiarly and horribly, as you shall see. Mr. Rogers read of it in ancient books and I fear became obsessed with it. Here we are, Mrs. Patterson. I pulled back this curtain for you once before. Are you sure you wish for me to do it again?
1: As I told you before, I am not squeamish.
7: Then behold!
3: To her credit, Eleanor Patterson did not faint. What orabona showed her was fully ten feet high, despite a shambling, crouching attitude perched diabolically on a vast ivory throne covered with grotesque carvings. Every detail was there. The globular torso, the bubble-like suggestion of a head with its three fishy eyes and bulging gills, the monstrous capillation of asp-like suckers, in the central pair of its sinuous limbs with their crab-like claws, it bore a crushed, distorted, bloodless thing, riddled with a million punctures, and in places apparently seared, as with acid. Only the mangled head of the victim, lolling upside down at one side, revealed that it represented something once
7: human.
1: God in heaven! No, no, not in heaven, madam. You're as crazy as him!
7: I'm impressed. You have a stronger stomach than most.
1: I'm from Chicago.
7: Indeed. I do hope your Mr. Jones enjoys a complete recovery. He would be welcome to contact me, but I am confident that he and Mr. Rogers will not be going into business together.
1: Where is Rogers, Orabona? I mean, really?
7: (laughs) He was a great artist. Truly. But in the end... He was not satisfied with creating mere effigies, however cunning. He wanted the real thing. My employer, like your Mr. Jones, meddled with things he did not truly understand. Where is he? I helped him for many years and did the best I could. But my skill is not in sculpture.
1: No? What is your skill?
7: Something more akin to
1: taxidermy. Look, Orabona. tonight I'm taking Jones back to the States. You'll never see us again, and I can assure you I will never mention this trip to anyone. So please tell me, where is Rogers?
7: The peace is overwhelming, I realize. So many details. But you struck me as someone who misses nothing. You really should take a closer look.
1: Why can't you just... Wait a minute. What are you saying?
7: (laughs)
3: She reluctantly returned her gaze to the monstrous figure towering in front of her. The more she looked at it, the more mysteriously it horrified her, until suddenly she realized exactly what it was. She recognized something in the mangled face of the human victim hanging limply from those dreadful claws. And then she remembered what the poor, delirious, would-be impresario had said from his hospital bed.
1: My God. That cheek. The burn. That eye. It's it's him.
7: Now you understand. Are you all right, madam?
1: Mr. Orobona. I have a proposition for you.
7: Oh, Madam.
3: The following autumn, on a bright sunny day, a crowd gathered on Chicago's Navy Pier for the opening of a new attraction.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather round, gather round now. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. Get your tickets for Oribona's Emporium of and Wonders, world's greatest museum. See the effigies of presidents and poovahs, saints and sinners, stars of stage, screed, and sports so lifelike they'll take your breath away. An extra nickel will get your admittance to Nightmare Alley, featuring monsters so terrifying they were outlawed in London, England. Do you dare to enter? No refunds will be given to those who faint or flee. Step right this way.
3: You've been listening to The Horror in the Museum, brought to you by our sponsor, Bon Voyage Salad Dressing. Fine ingredients make a fine salad. Bon Voyage, the bottle reached for first by women who make salad an adventure in art. I'm Lester Mayhew. Until next week, this is Dark Adventure Radio Theater, reminding you to never go anywhere alone. If it looks bad, don't look and save the last bullet
2: for yourself the horror in the museum was adapted for radio and produced by sean branny and andrew lehman based on the story by hazel held and hp lovecraft original music by reber clark the dark adventure ensemble featured amir abdullah sean branny ken clement matt foyer bernadette halpin mccarran kelly andrew lehman dick lazardo barry lynch david paveo kevin stidham josh temke and time winters Tune in next week for The Web of Living Death. A sensational eight legged detective mystery. Dark Adventure Radio Theater is a production of the HBLHS Broadcasting Group, a subsidiary of HBLHS Incorporated, copyright 1931, plus 90.